Hello and welcome back to Insemination. My name is Laura High and I am so excited to be back as your chaotic sperm donor baby of the podcast verse. I am so grateful and excited for our guest today. She is a recipient parent of triplet donor-conceived toddlers, and she is coming on today to talk about her experience as a recipient parent and to maybe give some friendly advice to intended recipient parents out there. And before we get started, I've got some amazing stand-up shows coming up. The 14th of July, I'm going to be in Rutherford, New Jersey. The 16th of July, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C., co-headlining with my amazing husband, Dave Colombo. And July 23rd, I will be co-producing Stand Up for Drag, a drag show, stand-up comedy extravaganza where we will be raising money for both Drag Story Hour and The Transformation Project. All ticket links are available in my website, www.laurahigh5five.com. Now let's get to the episode. Welcome to Insemination, Jess Jackson. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I, I promise to try and not get distracted uh, by looking at your puppies in the background. <laughs> what are they're, their names? They're, hard. They're, they're a distraction for sure. They're oh, so cute. They are. What are their names? Uh, we've got Kaya, who is over here and Kobe directly behind me. Oh, I love They're it. Both blue healers. Ooh, well, I've never heard. What's a blue healer? Um, also known as an Australian cattle dog. Very I don't know if you've cool. Heard either of those names. Uh, Australian. Uh, I mean, I've heard of like an Australian sheep dog. Is that like a similar thing? Uh, similar. So there, there's Australian sheep dogs, there's Australian shepherds, and there's Australian cattle dogs. So they're all oh, kind of, they're all herding breeds. Very um, cool. These guys don't know that they're supposed to be herding working dogs. They prefer to lay in the AC and sleep all day. They don't go play fetch for five minutes. Cool. I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack. It's time to take a nap. <laughs> I feel that I have, I have a pug and she sleeps. <laughs> I mean... My, my, 22, my 20, 22 hours a day <laughs> oh easily and then it's just like a quick little zoomy I and then she is out like did you ever see Lord of the Rings uh no I did not okay for any of you guys who <laughs> Lord of the Rings like to me my pug she's Gimli you know sprinters not not long distance runners but that that's for my Lord of the Rings crew out there but go see Lord of the Rings it's fabulous it's wonderful it's perfect um but thank you for coming on. You, I found you through TikTok. You're a recipient parent and of two, two donor-conceived children? Three. Three. two-year-old triplets. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. You know what? You, you know what? Fuck, fuck the podcast. I just want to hear what it was like carrying and giving birth to triplets. Like, that to me is just incredible. It was insane. Um absolutely insane we found out pretty early on that we were having triplets um, oh my god and I carried them to 35 weeks and five days I was a blimp I could no longer walk I literally like I had to shuffle my feet to get anywhere oh my god could um what was the like sensation of like all three of them moving around like could you could you feel all three moving I absolutely could. And as we, as they were getting bigger and kind of like settling into their like positions within my belly, like we knew who was who when they were moving for the most part, which was wow. really cool. Um, as they got bigger, it did hurt more as oh, they were God, moving I'm sure. just because 
<laughs> one was like wedged down in my pelvis. Like his head was just, it, he was, he was born with a flat spot because he had no more room. Um, oh. So he was in a helmet for like seven months because they had to round out his little noggin. Um, and I had one wedged up in my rib cage sideways. So he would like kick me in the ribs all the time. Um, so yeah, it was, as they got bigger, it got painful, um, but they were born very, very healthy. Um, no like medical issues of any sort, uh, 35 weeks, five days. Um, the only reason I couldn't go to 36 weeks or more is in the U.S. They won't let you. It's mm. no longer safe to carry triplets past 36 weeks. Okay. Because um, they just run out of space. Um, and I make very big babies. So they were born at um, baby A was 5 pounds, 11 ounces. Okay. Baby B was 6 pounds, 1 ounce. And baby C was 5 pounds, 9 ounces. Wow. Oh my God. I can't imagine. I mean, I, I alone was uh six pounds, 10 ounces. So just imagining like, oh my God. Almost three of you. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You, you were a total, bl- um, oh my goodness. Yes. And they, they're all fraternal. So they each had their own sack with their own set of fluid and their own placenta as well. Now so. were, were you, um, do triplets and multiples run in your family or was this just a like, just luck of the draw um so twins kind of run on my mom's side of the family um meaning multiple people in her on her maternal side had twins but only one ever survived um and it stopped a couple of generations ago um so we knew that possibility might somewhere be in my genes um but we ended up with triplets mostly because of the fertility industry so i can kind of get Ooh, into that with you right. when we get more into the story of how well how we got where we are I believe that that is our segue and h- how old are your triplets now they just turned two on the fourth of this month oh my gosh uh well happy happy belated birthday to them uh on the fourth of this month I'm I'm June yes. 2nd so they are they're right behind me <laughs> that is exciting yep June 4th is their birthday Oh, well, ha- happy, happy birthday, babies. Well, well, happy birthday to you, too. <laughs> ah, thank you. I, uh, their, their birthday, I think, was probably a little bit more exciting than mine. Mine was, <laughs> I just sat and watched Lord of the Rings. Um, it was glorious. But, <laughs> so you have donor conceived, you have donor conceived children, and I would love to start from the beginning as to, your journey with you and your wife on uh, why you decided to do donor conception and your how it kind of all sort of started for you, like how, how it how it basically like how you, did, you know, we're looking at the banks, the clinics and, you know, all the procedures because it's it's so complicated. Yes, it is. It is very complicated. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, I mean, to answer the first question. We are a two mom family, both genetically female. So obviously if we want to have kids, we got to go the donor route of somehow, or Mm -hmm. there's the adoption process, but I really wanted to carry children. I wanted to have a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, My wife very much does not, never wants to experience that. She loves being a woman, but she never, ever, ever had any desire to be pregnant. That part of the woman, (laughs) that part of uh, being a uterus carrier was just like, "Mm, I'm good. Tap out. That's where it stops. That's where it stops. You could take the uterus. I don't, I don't need it. Like I don't want to utilize it in any way. So just get rid of it. (laughs) 
I, uh, as somebody who who uh, hopes to be be pregnant in the near future, I I totally understand that though because it is yeah I, I get it it's it's a it's a big thing I understand that okay it is yeah <laughs> um so choosing which one of us was going to get pregnant was very easy like we had I think one discussion about it like mm-hmm. early on into dating um of like when we started kind of realizing like this could be potentially something long term like we need to make sure before we start diving into more serious relationship with each other, we got to make sure like we align in other aspects as well. Yeah. Um, so we knew that we both wanted to have children. So that was something we've always known. Um, we knew that being a same sex couple, having children is way easier if you are already married prior to conception. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in the state of California, we still had to do a second parent adoption. She still had to legally adopt our children, but being married made it super simple. We just had to fill out some forms, pay 20 bucks per kid. Boom. We got some paperwork back. Okay. If you're not married, there's a whole nother process to it. You have to do like actual home studies. It's thousands of dollars, lawyers, caseworkers. Oh my God. All of that. It's a full blown adoption at that point. If you're not married at, by the time of the birth. Whoa. Okay. That's, um, so good thing. Everybody, uh, for everybody to, to sort of hear is understand your state laws because obviously, because you're talking about California, every state is different with this really understand those, those state laws so that you understand the full complexity of this. Oh, wow. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. (laughs) You have to be married at the time of the birth and married at the time that you file for the second parent adoption in order to do, they call it the simplified process. Okay. Um, And it's not even called a second parent adoption. It's considered a step parent adoption still at this point. Okay. Um, Which is the wording's a little funny, but it still ensures all of her parental rights. So that's Mm -hmm. fine. Um, But it ends up just simplifying the process being a same sex couple. So we had plans from the time that we like started talking about getting engaged we knew we wanted to get engaged get married sort of roughly around the time frame and we wanted to have kids pretty quickly Mm because I wanted to give birth to at least one kid our first child before I was 30 um we ended up with three (laughs) Um, you were extraordinarily married in the middle of the COVID pandemic love Um, it Yep. We got married July 24th of 2020 and our kids were born June 4th of 2021. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, happy early anniversary because that's just right around the corner. Thank you. Um, Yeah, we ended up, we had to shift plans. That was a whole nother story. Of course. COVID weddings and all that. Um, Yeah. But it was still beautiful. It was still fun. We didn't tell any of our family at all that we were deciding to have children because we were like, you know what? If we were a straight couple, they wouldn't be like... I mean, maybe they would ask us, but they wouldn't want to be as involved as we knew both of our families would try to be during this process. Uh, Um, So you really, you know what? I totally understand why you're, you were like, we really want family opinions to be like not in there. Like this needs to just be from us. I I, I understand that because I can understand how uh, family opinions, especially when it comes to this could be uh, complicated. Yes. I I, I can understand Uh, that. It could be very complicated. Uh, my family's a little bit more hands-off. My in-laws are a little bit more hands-on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew um, that they would want to have opinions around things that they shouldn't have an opinion around. Yeah. Um, as far as like picking donors and stuff. 
Um, yeah, that that none, that none is of their none, that, <laughs> they, no. They don't get to help. No, um, that 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 should not be something with it, that your in laws or your extended family should be involved in. That is a very personal matter between you and your partner. Exactly. Um, so as far as choosing what like how we wanted to go about it, um, you know, for a two female couple, there are several options as far as like, you can have sperm shipped to you. You can have Mm -hmm. a known donor, which also comes with its own legal complications. So Mm -hmm. you need to, again, know your state laws regarding that and donor contracts and all of that. If you were to use somebody that, you know, um, neither one of us had for anybody we knew for anybody consider. For, for anybody who, who, who uh, just because just, I always need to hammer this out because this is a massive piece of donor conception. If you are using a known donor, which I am all for that, that's what I would highly recommend over anything else. But but there's a big but to it. You have to hire a family lawyer from your state. Preferably the donor should also have a family lawyer from your state as well. Please do not get a random ass stranger off of the Internet. Make It has to be somebody that you know. For God's sakes, no random serial donor off of the goddamn Facebook groups. I'm sorry. It's not safe. It is not safe whatsoever. Make it a friend. Sorry. So yeah. that, that was your PSA. Just want to make sure anyone who's listening. They even have they even have an app now. Oh, just a baby? Donors. Yeah. yeah, just a baby. I know several people that have used that, and I'm like... Yeah, don't, it's, please don't, no donor conceived person wants to find out that their, their, their biological parent was picked via like Tinder for donors. Like it's not, that's, that's not a cute, it's, and again, when we talk about how uh, fundamentally like little this uh, industry is regulated, like you, that is any, anything that we may have had is just like out the window immediately. Don't do that. Yes, exactly. Oh my God. (laughs) So we we didn't have anybody that either of us would even consider using so we were like okay like obviously we've got to go the bank route um and i'm going to share a little bit of like my wife's history Mm -hmm. because she's already given me permission to do so um we both were married previously before we got married to each other um her and her ex-wife had already gone through this process Mm -hmm. um unfortunately baby did not make it um i'm so sorry Yeah. Um, So she already kind of had an experience Mm -hmm. in this realm of the world. Um, So she already had a clinic that she had gone to previously. She really liked them. They were really nice. They were very like professional. Um, And she was like, you know, like the the overall vibe was really good. I really liked them. Like we could go check them out together. They've got like an in-house bank, but we didn't want to just like limit our selection to one bank necessarily. So we spent months and I mean like probably close to a year scouting different banks searching different donors and like things that we were looking for is like you know if we were if we were a heterosexual couple the baby would be made of me and her so Mm -hmm. we were really looking for a donor that reflected her Mm -hmm. um so somebody that you know had similar genetic makeup of some sort to her similar Mm -hmm race, ethnicity, hair color, eye color, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's um, very typical of recipient parents. I, I you know, I, uh, so many people are like, you know, uh, you know, oh, parents are looking for that, you know, absolute perfect donor. And I'm like, almost every recipient parent I talk to, they just are looking for somebody who is matching the non-genetic parent. That's yeah. usually what it is. It's very, that's that's typically always, and I, and I don't think that the bank's, really think that way 
or the clinics no. really think that way. It's you need a diverse group of donors to match the non-genetic parent. Um, exactly. Yeah. 100%. And they, they definitely don't have that. That's something we noticed when we started looking. We're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> to anybody who you can see the active donor profiles like on any like a cryobank list, I beg everybody to go look because you will immediately see the lack of diversity. It's yes. so apparent. Yep. Yes, it is. Like even uh, th there's drop down menus. If you just click yeah. any person of color, ethnicity, you're going to get like three results. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's not good. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, obviously my wife, is, as I've already said, my wife is white. So we had a lot of options to find somebody that kind of resembled mm -hmm. her in some way. Um, and we also kind of wanted like a lot of the profiles like will tell you what the donor has reported their like background, their hobbies, their interests, their personality traits like that. And we wanted to find somebody that kind of just reflected like our view on life too, like just to kind of have a comfort, I guess, sort of yeah. kind of like we felt more like we knew them, even though we obviously don't. Um, and we ended up finding a donor that actually was through the bank, through the clinic that we were going to. So that did actually simplify our process. We didn't have to pay to ship sperm in from another clinic, Great. Um, which saves us money because <laughs> I, I it's mean, not cheap. You know, I mean, if you don't mind me, mind me asking, how many, how many straws did you end up buying? Uh, so because we used through the in-house bank, through the clinic we were going through, um, we asked like upfront, like how many vials do you have from this specific donor? Um, and they had plenty on hand. So we were like, you know what, like, let's just, and they have the option to purchase just one at a time as you go through the process, because they had so many on hand, we didn't have to actually buy and bank any. Okay. Um, and we got pregnant on the second try. So okay. we only had to buy two vials. Um, but because it was in-house, it was very, a very simple exchange between bank and clinic. Um, yeah. So that's how we kind of went about choosing a donor. We looked at banks like all across the U.S. though, like so many different banks. I can't even remember all of them. Um, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say any of the names at all. Uh, I mean, you, you absolutely are. You're totally about to say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I know that we looked at obviously one of the big ones, California Cryobank. Yeah. Um, it's one of the main ones that's ever talked about with like yep. queer couples, especially, especially it's mentioned in like TV shows and movies. Like it's, yep. it's a big one. So we obviously looked at them. We knew friends that had used them. Um, we looked at Seattle sperm bank. We looked at, I can't remember the name of it, but I know it was on the East coast. I want to say on the East. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Fair yeah. Fairfax. Yes, we looked at Fairfax. We mm -hmm. looked at several different ones, and we ended up choosing the one that was attached to our clinic here in San Diego. Did you um, did you do IUI? Yes. Yeah, so we ended up doing IUI um, because we chose to do everything in the clinic because mm -hmm. we wanted to give ourselves the best chance that we could um, to get pregnant. Um and like doing it at home just did not sound like anything we wanted to do. My wife is not the most serious when it comes to certain aspects of life. And that would be something she would not be serious about. She'd be goofy and laughing and probably end up spilling things. And 
wasting money. That That's an expensive <laughs> thing to fucking spill. That would be, yes. 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 And she, she's not graceful. She is very clumsy. She is very goofy. And it would just, we already knew like it would not go well. So we're like, you know what? Let's just pay to have a professional do this for us. Her and I sound a lot alike. Cause I, I have to say in terms of like grace and uh, clumsiness, it's like, yeah, no, we, we don't trust me with anything expensive. Mm-mm. She's the reason we have plastic cups instead of glassware. <laughs> I love that. I, okay. <laughs> All right. So her and I need to go need to go get like a sandwich or something together and be like, yep, nope, that's yep. Next time you are in San Diego, let us know. Oh, hell yes. Uh, No, it'll be good. You guys, uh, you know, you guys can like leave us in like the kitty section and like you and my husband can go get a drink together and be like, oh, thank God that's baby proofed with them. Okay. Uh, So now as you are going through this process, how is the clinic, I would say, educating you as a recipient parent about being a recipient parent? Not at all. Well, like, <laughs> so, like anything? Like, do they offer counseling? Do they offer nope. guide? No. Okay. N- nothing. Nothing. So, and that was one thing. Like, we it should have sent up like red flags for us, but we were we were so uneducated. Like all we knew was stories we had heard from other friends and yeah. stuff that have gone through the process and had kids, my wife's own previous experience and things that we see like on the internet, in TV, in movies. And basically the only thing like the clinic says, like whenever you like as a two female couple going in is, you know, oh yeah, like you guys are all your baby's going to need. You guys are going to give this baby so much love and you guys are all this baby's ever going to need. And yes, we do provide our children with a massive amount of love. We do provide them with a very wonderful life. They are very loved, very well taken care of, but I can't say that we are all they're ever going to need. They deserve more than that. And in the beginning, like we were just under that mindset that I feel like a lot of queer couples are because it's what we're told from outside sources, um, that we're all our babies are ever going to need. And that's enough. And I guess to a certain degree, like, yeah, like that's, as terms of keeping them alive and healthy, yes, but as terms of like their mental well-being and their emotional well-being, like we don't know how our kids are going to respond to being donor conceived when they're older. Um, we don't know how they're going to feel about that. And we don't get a say in that. That's their own, they're their own people. It's their own experience that they're going to have to live by our hand, essentially. Um, but they don't give any type of resources of any sort. They didn't even like bring up um, like the donor sibling registry or anything like that to us. It was just very, very cut and dry, very transactional, very much like, have you guys picked a donor? Like, do you want to see our donors? Um, The other thing is that um, if you go onto these websites for banks, including the bank we chose, you can see a very limited amount of info per donor profile. In order to actually see full profiles, you have to pay X amount of dollars to have full access to photos, genetic testing results, um, and like full, like full profiles as far as their background and stuff goes, like family medical history that they've reported. You have to actually pay to have access to that. You, if you don't pay, you get the free portion, which doesn't include any photographs. And it's very basic of like what their, aesthetic looks are hair color, eye color, height, weight, body build, and like interests. Like that's all you get. That to me is, uh, cause I, I, I do know that that is the, I'd say a very normal case that you have to pay extra money to like be able to see th- genetic testing. I'm yes. sorry. 
that is with how much you actively pay because parents are paying between like just per vials of uh, of sperm it can be anywhere between like what 600 to 2000 dollars per vial I think we paid seven fifty per vial. Oh wow! So we—that's—that's. That's, I, I God, I hate talking about you know sperm this way, but like that's actually really well priced. Um, yeah. <laughs> But the, even still, $750 per vial of sperm. And again, I, I know my, my listeners know this, but in case we have any anybody who's new on, one vial of sperm does not equate to one full ejaculation. They take nope. that one ejaculation and split it up into sellable vials. And now that can and There is no average that we have found in the donor conceived community in terms of how many times they can split it up. It all depends on how much that person is just like the volume that they are able to donate and their, I would say like fertility rating, the, we've heard of, uh, you know, one ejaculation being um, split up into like three vials. The highest I've heard of is 16 vials. Jesus. I, I'm like, look, I don't. I mean, I can, I can speak to that because like they, I, I requested all of my medical records from the clinic. Yeah. Um, I needed to have those in order to do the second parent adoption. So I requested all of my medical records from them from both times that we did the insemination. And both of our inseminations were done with vials from the same donation. So they were both from the same ejaculation. Wow. Do you have any, I, do you, um, what was the clinics, like, what were they saying were, were their sibling cap? Oh God, I cannot remember. I want to say they said 10. 10 families? Or 10 families. I want to say they said I want to say they said 10 families. I could probably pull it up. I think they have it on their website. Do you remember, did your clinic require you to sign like a waiver or anything like that, that you would have to report pregnancies? Um, I know that we signed a waiver, but I don't think it said anything about reporting the pregnancy itself. I think it said something about like not trying to find the donor. And I could try, I think I could get that pulled up too, but do you um and then what kind of donor did you did you choose anonymous did you choose um open id at 18 known from birth we did open id at 18 uh known from birth was not an option okay as far as we could find on any of the clinics that we looked at known from birth was not an option from any of the donors that we had looked at during that entire like year that we had been searching and what year was that again uh like 2019 2020 okay um, why did you end up choosing open ID at 18? Um, honestly, so like I said, in the very beginning, like we were very uneducated about the entire thing. Um, and especially like we hadn't, we hadn't had that forethought to like reach out to donor conceived adults and like get their input and their feedback and talk to them. Like you're, you're not told to do that. And like, based off of everything that we had seen and heard and learned, like the industry doesn't want you to talk to us. Like the industry does not want you. They don't tell you to do these things. They don't bring up any of this stuff to you. And so like, we go off of what we've been told from friends, what we've seen on TV, what we've learned ourselves. Even if you just like Google search, like how do two women, Oh God, I'm sorry. That was loud. Um, even if you Google search, like how do two women make a baby? Like, Mm -hmm. You don't get any talk of like what it would be for our children to be donor conceived. It's all about us. And the only part about any of this that is about us is our desire to have a child. Mm. Like that's kind of where it stops. After that, it becomes about our kid and our well-being of our kid. Yeah. 
Um, but so we basically were like, you know, like we, we don't really have a preference because we don't like we're all our baby's going to need is all we're told. So in the beginning, like, yeah, we were, we were very ignorant to it. Like I can, we've, we've got, we have a YouTube channel and we did videos all throughout like our donor conception. Um, and after our kids were born, we is when we kind of started like educating ourselves. So we even had, we even did like an apology video, essentially talking about like how we as recipient parents messed up and failed to educate ourselves, but like we weren't given resources. And so we thought we were educated. We thought we had done this and we hadn't. Um, and I, I, I want to say, cause I, I, I want like every recipient parent to, to, to know this. Cause I, I get messages all the time saying like, holy shit, I screwed up. Oh my God. I've already traumatized my child. I had an anonymous donor. I didn't know there, I, the, the, a very much like what you're saying. And I, as a donor conceived person, I don't speak for my entire community, but I will certainly speak for myself. I'm very aware that the clinics and cryobanks are so not helpful. They actively do not want you to be educated. And I understand why you made the choices that you did. Um, The information right now, donor conceived people are literally we are just starting to become extremely public now and talking. Yeah. And we are actively trying really hard to make this information as available as possible right now. And I do want recipient parents who feel like they, they, they messed up. I want, I want you, I want your wife, I want everyone, cut yourself some slack. I understand what happened. And the fact that you all, you know, who are in my inbox and, and you and your wife who are clearly trying to like go, shit, all right, how, how do we fix this? How do we move forward? That to me is what matters. That to me is what matters, is what happens when you get the new information. We all screw up. We all mess up. How you react to the mess up is who defines you as a person. And to me, it clearly shows the quality of parents that you guys are, is that you were Thank able you. you were able to take this information with humility and able to absorb it and able to move forward. And as a donor conceived person, I thank you for that. I thank you for the ability to bob and weave as you did. And thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Like hearing that, it does mean a lot. Like we Obviously, we knew that our children were always going to know that they were donor conceived. One, mm-hmm. we're a two mom family. Two, we believe in like rigorous honesty. And that's one of like our core values as a couple. It's one of our core values as a family. So we knew like they're always going to know. It's always going to be an open conversation yeah. at our dinner table. Like we are always going to talk to them about it. We printed and saved our donor profile from the very beginning so that when they get older, if they want to see, his profile if they want to see his baby pictures we have photos from like baby to I think he's like up to like six or seven ish in the mm-hmm. photos that we have like they have access to that like we knew we were going to give them whatever we possibly could and that still stands true but now knowing everything we know like we want to do better if they want to find him we are going to help them find them if they want to find donor siblings we are going to do everything in our power to help them find their siblings we are going to do everything in our power to let them meet their siblings as early as they want to inform those relationships and those bonds and just do right by them. When did that? So then uh, when did this, I would say change happen for you and your wife? When did you guys look at the situation and go, Oh, we're, we, we need to change tactics. 
we realized that we were not given the information that we desperately needed? Like what inspired that change? Honestly, I think it started as the kids started kind of growing and like their features started changing. So we have two boys and a girl. One of our boys, minus hair color and eye color, is a copy paste of the donor. Wow. Like you, we can put his his photo next to the donor's baby photo, copy paste, except donor has brown hair, green eyes. Our son has blonde hair, blue eyes. Wow. Yeah. Like, and we were like, he looks so much like him and so little like me and so little like my wife like one of our one of our sons is like a copy paste of my wife somehow like I don't know what they did somehow we got her egg up in there too (laughs) because he is 100% her child (laughs) somehow like just just her presence like absorbed the DNA through through breath of air or something yeah we've got our daughter who is a copy paste of me we've got one son that looks just like my wife and then one that looks just like our donor so oh they, my they goodness. all look vastly different. That's... It is it it is beautiful and it is crazy, but like just looking at him, we were like, we've got to do better. Like it just kind of sparked that like wow. I guess like an unease in our stomach of like maybe we maybe we need to educate ourselves a little bit better because we we didn't have that info, like I said. And it was just kind of like, you know, maybe he's gonna want to know and see an adult version of himself one day. And we don't have adult photos. We don't have that access yet. Um, And like I said, the the fertility clinic that we went through um, did not provide us any resources for our children either. Mm -hmm. No resources for us as recipient parents, but also no resources for our our future children. They didn't provide us with um, the information for the donor sibling registry. They didn't provide us with info as far as even the open idea 18 they didn't tell us like okay when your kid is 18 like this would be the process to get in contact oh Um, wow oh they really left you in the dark it was very very transactional it was cool here's our credit card here sign this paper here let's go back to this room let's do this thing did the transact because from I'm sort of reading in between the lines so please please tell me if I'm wrong but I I'm feeling like the transaction was making you feel the transactional I would say like energy around this was that making you feel uncomfortable like how just very cut and dry it was it's hard to say because it's kind of a mix of both like I remember us leaving the clinic and being like man like this this was too easy like this was this was too easy like there's no they don't interview you they don't ask how your mental health is they don't ask anything about you it's do you want a baby cool we're gonna help you make a baby and I remember thinking like you know that's like that's kind of odd but then at the same time on the reverse side of it it's like okay there's there's kind of a weird kind of comfort in the way that they presented it of like we're gonna help you we're gonna make this as easy for you as we possibly can and so it was kind of like, we got a little bit of both and we're like, we kind of just wrote it off as like, well, you know, like this is just kind of what happens when you can't have a baby on your own. I hope that makes sense. No, it, <laughs> so it, it, was, it was kind of a mix of uncomfort because we just felt like this was way too easy and yeah. the comfort in the way they presented it. They like wrapped it all up in this neat little package and just like presented it to us of like, here, we're going to do all yeah. this weird behind the scenes stuff. So you guys just, we're going to make it easy. Yeah, no, it it does make sense. And I, I, 
like I it's the it's this fine line that we sort of that we really need to traverse because I want oh god I'm trying to figure out the best way to to say this uh, or or phrase this but it's like there is an acceptance that we have because I it's there is an acceptance that needs to happen that donor conception is not the same as having a child naturally. There does need to be some, I would say, different bumpers around it, different guidelines. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's not the same. It's not the same. And I feel like even as a same-sex couple, they presented it in a way that tried to make it feel like it was the same, that it's not our fault that we're a same-sex couple, but we're going to make it the same if that makes sense. Like they, they tried to present it that way. And so I can only imagine what a heterosexual couple experiencing fertility issues that has to go the donor route, what they experience. Like I, I don't, I can only imagine what they go through in that aspect. It's, I, I mean, I can't, sp- I mean, my, my parents are a, a, a heterosexual couple who are struggling with infertility and now, and my parents were going through this in the eighties. So like this was my, <laughs> they, I mean, it's still the wild west right now, but like when they were doing it, it was literally doctors calling each other up saying like, Hey, who's free to make a deposit in a cup for me? Like it was, <laughs> It, it was absolute. Uh, did 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 you ever did, have you ever seen the video of what my conception was? Yes, yeah. I did. I did watch it. So. Yeah, I mean, my donor dropped his his jizz off at a at a hotel for my mom to pick up. So like, it was. I mean, this it was is like I, I'm trying to think of the right terminology, but it's basically like back alley. Oh, <laughs> I, I sort of joke that I'm like black market sperm. I, and it, it was like, there, there's more regulations in cage fighting for crying out loud. Um, but it is, and, and obviously like you and your wife are, are wonderful, amazing people. And the reason why I personally think that there is, there needs to be some bumpers and some safety measures and some regulations when it comes to donor conception and it's like and I can appreciate why the clinic was like we want to make this as easy as possible for you we want this like you know as a as a same-sex couple it is absolutely your right to try and have a child just as easily as a heterosexual couple can you know without us and I fully appreciate that the issue that I personally know just from talking to donor conceived people is as you said it felt weird that there should have been more there wasn't an interview there wasn't a double check to make sure that we are who we say we are and what ends up happening and we do know this is there are bad people who take advantage of donor conception yes and that it, there that in therefore lies the problem donor conception um, basically is this, you, all you need is money. That's it. There's no kind of background check. There's no, there's nothing to double check you in the United States. So donor conception for somebody who has a malicious intent is essentially a very simple route on how to, it is baby designer, human trafficking. It's, it allows that. Um, yes. It makes it very easy yes. for that too. It, Yeah. And it, it, it can allow people 
to create babies with very malicious intent very, very simply and easily. Um, yes. And I, I cannot go into detail about this yet, but there there will be some stories coming out in the future talking about this um, with with victims who are the bravest, bravest human beings I've ever met in my goddamn life. Um, and they are in wow. the process of coming forward. Yes. So stay tuned. We it will be <laughs> it will be coming public. So it's like, again, I'm not speaking out of my ass on this one. Um you just can't speak. I just can't speak about it yet. At this exact moment in time. <laughs> I can't. But yes, it is. So I do understand like that kind of like hesitancy and going like, wait, how is it? And, and I do believe that that, again, speaks so much to your character and responsibility of like, wait, it's this. I can just get I can just sentient human beings just by the vial and we're good to go. I can totally understand that. Um, and the yeah. fact that they didn't tell you about like the donor sibling registry or anything. Did they talk to you? anything about like regulations about you know how I wanna, I wanna say that the like pretty much the only thing they really talked to us about is that they they did the genetic testing on the donor when he donated or before he donated um and they did some blood work on me to just like run like my hormones and stuff essentially um and they told us about the the family cap, and I want to say it was ten. I want to mm-hmm. I want to say that it was ten. I could be wrong on that, but that sounds very familiar. Usually, the, um, it's somewhere between ten to twenty twenty five is a family cap. Um, I mean, you know, there. That's the the reason I asked about the reported pregnancies, though, is typically in order for them, because there's no tracking system that any of these clinics or cryobanks have. So in order for them to hypothetically stick to their sibling cap, um, they they require parents to report pregnancies. Yes. Which is why we tell all recipient parents, please, for God's sakes, report your pregnancy, Um, which I do feel is so, so stupid because essentially the clinic and cryobank puts the responsibility on the recipient parents to do their job for 100 percent. That that is exactly like what happened with us. Um, Like, had I not followed up when that first cycle failed and said, hey, I'm I'm bleeding. I need to come back in and we need to do this again. There would have been no follow-up from them when we did find out that i was pregnant mm-hmm. um i i took my test like on the day that they told me to and then like two or three days later is when i called them like they never called me to follow up mm. um i mean i did call them fairly quickly i don't know if they would have followed up if i had waited a week or so um but like i said like two three days after we took that first pregnancy test i called them and i let them know and then that was pretty much it. We didn't talk to them anymore after that until after the kids were born. I did report our pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and I do know because I have cyber stalked their website several times since having the kids um, that they did update our donor's profile because when we initially chose him, his profile said that he had no confirmed pregnancies. Now it does say yes. Um, okay. And that was another thing that we looked at. We wanted to pick a donor that was like around our same age, um, that sort of thing. So our donor had donated when he he is our same age so we're I'm 31 my wife is 30 she'll be 31 in August Mm -hmm. um so he is around 30 he donated when we were all like 24 25 okay so we like he's the same age as we are and that was another thing that was important to us we wanted to make sure that we had a donor around our same age so that the likelihood of him still being around in 18 years if our kids wanted to reach out was greater than if we chose a donor that donated many, many moons ago. (laughs) 
also that kind of just freaks me out on its own accord <laughs> yeah um what kind of genetic testing like were you able what what kind of genetic testing did the did the clinic do and how much did they educate you on genetic testing um basically the education for like the genetic testing like we looked it all up i i'd have to like pull it all up and look again mm -hmm. um but basically like his genetic testing came back with like no red flags of any like genetics bad stuff um and that was basically all they told us we did get like a report um that listed like the things he was tested for that all came back negative okay. um so basically like he got a clean genetic testing bill and we had access to like look at supposedly what they all tested him for um and I... that was pretty much it. it was hey we've tested him he passed all the testing do did they I, I guess like so they didn't really walk you through how genetic testing worked and how much like like I'm assuming they didn't do a full panel. Um, I'm I'm thinking not now that we know everything that we do know. Um, again, yeah, they, they don't educate you. They don't talk to you really about it. It's just like they give you all these little little bits of information to make you feel more comfortable, essentially. Um, yeah, but they don't they don't really dive in deep and be like, okay, so this is everything we tested for. These are the things we haven't tested for. So these things yeah. you could still potentially be at risk for because we didn't test for them. Um, it's just like, Hey, we did this. He's good. Well, cause the average, but there's also all these other things over here that we didn't check. I mean, cause the average person you said, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A, you know, a clinic, you know, a cryobank is like, we tested them for a thousand uh, genetic illnesses. Like, you know, as you know, as someone who's a stand-up comedian with absolutely zero science background, like uh, uh, firsthand, I'd be like, wow, that is so much, only to find out it really isn't. Exactly. Uh, it sounds great. And, I, and they do present the information of like, look how great we are. As yes. you said, they put it in a little nice little package going, here you go. Here's your little little sperm package. Congratulations. Exactly. Oh man, they okay. Um ooh, that is that that is uh, that that is scary. And I and I can't I, I as somebody who is not a parent, I can't imagine kind of looking back on it going like wow, we we thought we had, you know, at least 90% of the answers and realizing we have like 10%. Or less. <laughs> That's really scary. It is very scary. So how in terms of like emotionally, because I know that like um, understandably, you know, a lot of recipient parents struggle with, I'm going to say, Potent, uh, acknowledging the potential for the donor's biological parents' importance in the child's life. And that can be a really hard thing to swallow and sort of integrate. How have you and your wife navigated that emotionally? 
emotionally I like emotionally we're both on like the same page as far as like like so the contract that we signed with the with the fertility clinic basically essentially said like we aren't supposed to look for our donor essentially Mm -hmm. um but really the only like ramification they can hold us to would be not letting us use his sperm again in the future which like we we're good we got three kids i'm done so as soon as our kids voice we want to find him cool dna test let's let's get the ball rolling let's let's find him you were very (laughs) efficient in your pregnancy i will say like that was you did it oh that's that's the other thing i need to touch on as far as the fertility clinic yes oh my goodness of course yes yes before we before we sidetrack down farther um so when we were talking first about getting pregnant, my cycles were very inconsistent. Like I, I have always been a lesbian, always knew I was a lesbian, have never been on any form of birth control, never needed to be. So I never really tracked my cycle until it came time to start mm. tracking my cycle. And I found that my, like, sometimes I knew like I would skip a month or two and it was like never a big deal. Like it was whatever. Sometimes I'd be like, yes, cool. I don't have a period this month. Awesome. But then I realized like, okay, like I need to actually pay attention. Um, And I found that my cycles were anywhere from like 15 days to like, I think the longest was like 54 days or something crazy. Yo, Um, me too. I had similar (laughs) issues as well. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, that's a little weird. So we did all my blood work and stuff. And they're like, yeah, like all of your numbers look great. Um, Like we need to track your ovulation and this and that. So I started tracking and like, for the most part, like I was ovulating every time I had a period, just my cycles were really off. Um, and so the clinic again, presented a shiny little box for us and was like, well, we, we have some medications that can help us ensure that you're going to get pregnant faster. And it will also like regulate your period a little bit better. Um, I'm so curious because I'm on medication right now and I want to know what the (laughs) hell you you were on because now I'm just like, oh, shit. Because I I'm um, because I I was diagnosed with a a benign tumor on my pituitary gland. So Mm -hmm. my um, prolactin was like skyrocketing. So they put me on um, carbergaline. Um, and I've now been on that for like a year and a half and I'm going to be on it for another year and a half to hopefully, cause the tumor's gone and now they're, they're hopefully just trying to jumpstart my, uh, my, um, my, my hormones so that it starts working, working better. But now I'm just like, oh shit, what did the fuck did they put you on? (laughs) Um, so they put me on Clomid. Um, Clomid. All right. We're writing that down. Okay. Clomid. Good to know. All right. Okay. So Clomid was a pill that I had to take. Um, and basically what that does is it like stimulates your follicles to produce eggs essentially. Um, and they were like, yeah, like, you know, like there is a risk of having multiples, but you know, everything has to be so magically perfect in order for that to happen. That like, that's probably not going to (laughs) happen, but it will, it will help ensure that you're ovulating and that you ovulate really strongly and that your chances of getting pregnant faster are better. And and then, the, then of course, they follow up with the, but it's up to you, but it's up to you, but we can do this. We can give you these medications. So now looking back on it, it kind of makes me go, do you guys get some type of like kickback mm. for how many meds you push? Because I also know of another two mom family went to the same clinic, also did the same route we did with, uh, they call it uh, medically assisted IUI or something. Um, and they also have triplets and they live here in San Diego. Oh um, my God. Yes. We got connected through a triplet Facebook group. Um, 
and they did the same thing. They did Clomid. And then um, the day before you go in for your insemination, you do a shot called Avadrel and it basically like forces you to ovulate. Whoa. Okay. All right. We are writing those two medications down. Okay. You're like, avoid, avoid. Wow. I mean, only, only if we have to. Okay. But, oh, oh, yeah, no. mm -mm. Okay. So, yeah. So they basically, like, we immediately went to that because they were like, you know, it's going to really increase your chances of getting pregnant faster, which is going to, like, you know, decrease the amount of funds you guys have to pour into getting pregnant there's that small chance oh, that it's, you could get multiples, we're but trying this to is going to increase your chances of getting pregnant faster. We're going to, we're trying to save you money. We're trying to help you. Yes, exactly. It all circles back to that pretty little box of we're going to make it easy. We're mm-hmm. going to help you. We're going to make this happen. Um, and so, yeah, so first cycle, like they do ultrasounds to make sure that you're not ovulating like eight eggs at one time. Um, the limit that they would let me have was four, like uh, four follicles ready to ovulate. Okay. Otherwise, they'd pull the plug and say, we got to skip the cycle. So the very first cycle, I had three that were ready to go, that were like ready to go. And that one did not take. Um, and then the second cycle, I had two that were ready, ready. And one that they were like, mm, it's kind of iffy. It's probably not going to be ready in time. Bam. It it decided, nope, I want to be ready. And we've got all three eggs ovulated, all three eggs were fertilized, all three eggs implanted, stuck, and survived. Wow. Um, Yes. (laughs) But again, it's one of those things that like now looking back on it, I wonder if they get some type of financial gain from pushing these medications, especially now knowing what I know from my friends that have also gone through that process. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Pandora's box for you. Well, it's, I I will say like, I I mean, in the donor conceived community, we, we do consistently talk about like what have been the side effects on us long-term from these fertility drugs, because there's not, there's very, very little, um, uh, studies about long-term side effects. Like they don't really do tests on adult donor conceived people they're just like okay baby's alive good fantastic move ahead but like we've never had long-term studies on our health our physical health on our mental health and 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 I want to be very very cautious talking about this because again this is just very like within the donor conceived community but there are certain things that like all the pods have just all the pods have. And it, 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 again, it's it's one of those things where we want the studies to happen because it's just yes. it's just a little too coincidence is, is is not a strong enough word. And we would love to see what the correlation is. It, is it the fertility drugs? Does it have to do with frozen sperm versus fresh sperm? Um, does it just like all of it? We just we'd like to know because it it's it, there's too many of us that have these issues. Yes, exactly. And that's another thing is when we were talking about the meds, that is one question that I brought up. I said, are there any, like, could this potentially put our future children at risk by using these medications? Mm. Oh, no, it's safe. (laughs) Oh, no, it's safe. There's no complications for your future children. Like, you're going to, you're going to be bloaty. You're going to be this. You're going to do this. You're going to feel this. Um, And there's the risk of having multiples. And that was that. But there's no, no long term effects. But they left off the part of, we don't know for sure yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and us trusting, it all comes back to like, you know, you, you want to trust these professionals, these people with these high educations that like are helping you, they're helping you. 
So you want to trust them. So it's just that thing of like, okay, like you're telling me this and I'm, I'm just going to blindly follow your lead because you're the professional, you know what you're talking about. I am the woman coming in off the street and you're going to help me get what I want out of life. And they're literally holding your future family, like in front of you going like, ah, just, it's right here. It's right here. Mm -hmm. It's just right here. Come on. It's okay. We're just trying to make it easy for you. Yep. We're trying to make it easy for you. We're we're trying to save you money. You got to spend a little bit of money to get these medications because also as a same sex couple, none of our treatments were covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like they kind of pushed gently still gave us that back door of like, you can't sue us if something bad happens. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a choice that you're making to go through with these medications, but like, they're going to help you. You can, you, we'll sign off on it. They're going to help you, but it's your choice, but they're going to really help you. <laughs> oh my God. And so it was, and especially with my cycles being so off, they kind of almost pushed it a little bit harder of like, it's really going to help you. Yeah. Um. So we, we chose to go ahead and do it. Cause we're like, you know what? Yeah. Like we, we do have savings for this, but like, we don't have a endless amount of savings. <laughs> yeah. So like if we, if we can make this work and work on the first or second try, awesome. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't ever want it to sound like I didn't want my children, like, but like who plans for three children at one time? Yeah. I mean, that, that like, is, a, that is a very, very different. Like, I love my kids. I will never, ever, 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 ever yeah. say I don't, or that I didn't want all three of them. Because the other thing is like, and like, that's another thing they brought up is they're like, if you get pregnant with multiples, like you always have the option to do a selective reduction. So if that happens, like it's, it'll again, be up to you whether you want to go through with it or not. And immediately we knew like my wife and I just like, we looked at each other and it was just like, nope, we're keeping them. Like we, we know. Yeah. So, oh, and that, yeah. that's the other thing is they, they kind of give you that out of like, if you were to be one of those, the, one of those few small percentages that ends up with multiples and you don't want them you have the choice to not have multiples <laughs> as a, as a recipient parent who's now has two-year-olds, what would be your advice for recipient parents who are about to start the process or who are in the process because more and more people are doing donor conception every single year? What would you advise uh, them? My biggest piece of advice is to talk to donor conceived adults. Like, talk to donor conceived adults, get their stories, talk to them about how they're feeling, ask them for basically, how can I do better as a recipient parent? Like, what would you have liked to see your parents do? Um, And again, honesty, like your child needs to know. It's not even just the fact that they deserve to know, they do deserve to know, but they need to know from the beginning that they are donor conceived. You need to be able to give them as much info as you possibly can. And as you said, like, um, if you have a known donor, somebody, you know, a friend, a non-related sibling from the other side of the family, something like that, use, use them so that your child has access to that growing family medical history, because the banks aren't going to follow up with these donors who they're recruiting at 20, 21, 22, their brains aren't fully developed. I still don't even know all of my family medical history at 31. I just found out that my mother had a thyroid condition of some sort and I didn't know. I now have Hashimoto's oh, that shit. I got after that I got after pregnancy. Oh my god. Yeah, I had it, it's nowhere in any of my family charts whatsoever and I just recently found out after my mother died that she had a thyroid issue. Oh my god, and Hashimoto's is really hard to diagnose. Mhm. Oh my God. It's not fun. It's no. not fun. 
It is not fun. Oh my god. <laughs> um. So then, um, so sort of taking it then a step further, um, because there are a lot of parents, I would say there are recipient parents that we talk to who are like, well, yes, of course, I'm going to tell my, my, my children that they're donor conceived. Um, but we hear a lot of recipient parents, you know, with a very small donor conceived child saying, yeah, but the donor conception is not going to mean anything to them. It's not going to mean their donor won't mean anything to them. How as a, as a recipient parent, how would you talk to a fellow recipient parent to maybe guide them into a more, I would say, into the more like emotional space that you and your wife are in? Ooh, I can actually kind of use a recent experience that I've had. I had a, I love a friend. <laughs> I have a friend who um, her and her husband, her husband is female to male transgender. So they used a known donor. Um, their child is now four and is started kind of realizing that like boys and girls have different parts and knows daddy was born with girl parts um and so she she the mom reached out to me and was like hey like I know you guys obviously did donor conception too like what was your story like now he's really starting to kind of put two and two together at four years old that like he didn't necessarily come from the two of us Mm. um And their plan, she was very upfront with me, their plan was to lie to their child and tell him that they used an anonymous donor and that their donor doesn't matter. And I had to really tell her, like, I encouraged her to reach out to donor conceived adults. I was like, you need, I told her to follow you on TikTok. I was like, you you need to educate yourself better so that you can advocate for your son. Even though you guys used a known donor, like your son may want to know him. You guys live in the same town. Yeah. That donor could have another child in the next year or two that your son could potentially end up dating growing up. And you're going to have to face that because you're going to know, but your son's not going to know. Yeah. So what is that going to look like for you? Like at that point, are you just going to be like, you can't date this person because we don't like them? Like, no, you want to like, is that the kind of example you want to set for your child is not being honest from the start. I was like, I get like you guys, like he obviously knows that like he isn't genetically made up of his mom and his daddy's his mom and somebody else. But like emotionally, you need to put your child first and like your feelings and your wants around this and including dad's feelings. Like at this point, like, sorry, his feelings about not being genetically related to his child don't matter anymore because your child's feelings need to come first because he's his own person and he's he's gonna need to, process and deal with that in his own way. So I gave her some book resources that we have for our own children, um, just to kind of talk about the process of what they might've had to go through to make a baby. Um, and just kind of emotionally put that in her head of like, emotionally put yourself in your kid's shoes. How would you feel? And emotionally, um, like just, just be honest and put your, your kid first. Like, um, like, I don't know how else to phrase it other than like, like, when we become parents, you know, the process of becoming a parent, like it's all about us. It's all about what we want. It's all about like, we want to be the best parents we can be. We want this. We want that. We want this for our kid. Um, we want to set our kid up for this for life, but it really hits you once that kid is born and you look them in the face mm-hmm. that as their parent, it is your job to do the absolute best you can by your child regardless of how your feelings are. So even if I had no desire to ever seek out our donor whatsoever, um, 
if my children wanted to, it is my responsibility as their parent to help them fill in those gaps, which now like my view on that has changed. Like I would love to be able to shake his hand one day and say, you know, like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for this thing that you did back when you were 24. Like you, you gave me these three beautiful children and you didn't know it. And like, thank you for also having like sitting down with me face to face and like being a part of my children's life. Like a, a kid can't have too much love. Yeah. It's at love. Love ain't pie. We don't run out of it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I forget who said it or who came up with it, but I thought that was the most beautiful thing is that it's love is not finite. It, it is infinite. Exactly. It's not pie. Um, exactly. And I, uh, there, there are so many donor conceived ch- children that I know who, who did grow up, you know, knowing their known donor, like it was their uncle Bob and yeah, yeah they love their uncle Bob, their uncle Bob's great. They, they had like a great relationship with their uncle Bob and that was really cool. It was like, you know, it was awesome, but their parents were their parents and there was yeah. no, and that was, there was that they, 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 uh, it doesn't take anything no, away from the parents. It doesn't like, take you're just, anything like, away. Letting your kid know that they're donor conceived, letting your kid know their donor doesn't take anything away from you as the parent. No. It takes nothing from you. If anything, it just gives more to your kid. Yeah. And that's all that you could want. It gives more to your child. It gives them the opportunity for another person in their life to be there for them, for another person in their life to love them, to have their village. Cause I always say it takes a village. Oh yeah. Like it gives them another person in their village. It gives them access to medical info that they may not have for another 10 years. It gives them access to like, Hey, like I have this one weird physical thing that I can do. And like, neither one of my parents can do it. Like, Oh, cool. You're double jointed. I'm double jointed. They must've got it from you. Oh, I have, I don't know, one specific freckle that you also share. That's really cool. It's that genetic mirroring can be absolutely so powerful. I, I mean, I remember when I found out that I was donor conceived, I was 14 years old. And then I was sitting with my, uh, my, my maternal grandfather and I was just like, you know, I really great relationship with him. And I, I was looking at his, his hands and I realized our hands were shaped the same. And in that moment I realized like, like sort cause you know, this, this entire, you know, genetic relationship that I thought I had with my father was now gone and then like looking at my grandfather who i am genetically related to and seeing that genetic mirroring that we have the same hands i remember that being a very like grounding memory for me going like oh okay i like there was just something in there that meant a lot to me um and that brings me back to that point of our one child that looks like our donor yeah is i want i want to be able to give him that one day and so i i'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent go in tangent um I am the youngest of five kids. My three oldest siblings are all adopted. Um, and they, they look nothing like our family, like our biological family. Um, and that was also part of what fueled my desire to help our kids is one of my older sisters um, decided to take an ancestry test kit to see if she could locate any of her biological family. Um, All of my adopted siblings grew up knowing they were adopted. They grew up knowing like their biological parents, biological siblings, thing like that. Um, But, you know, biological parents passed away. They've kept in contact with some siblings, family spreads out, loses contact, that sort of thing. Um, And for one of my sisters, I know that she really struggled with like not having anybody in the family that looked like her mm. and not having anybody that like related to her in a lot of ways. She is blonde hair, blue eyed and very fair skinned. 
Uh, my mother was also fair skinned, but she had darker hair, darker eyes. My dad is Mexican. Like we grew up speaking Spanish. Like she just, she didn't have that physical relation to anybody in our family. She didn't have that reflected back to her in any way. Um, she is biologically related to my brother. They're bio siblings and adopted together, but they still don't even like mirror each other. They don't look like they're related. So mm. she really was missing that aspect. Um, and then after I had my children, she also has a lot of features of my blonde hair, blue eyed boy. Um, and so she has a very special bond with him because she can kind of see herself mirrored in him, even though they don't share any genetic makeup. Yeah. Um, and that was also another thing that really made me go, I need to be able to give them more in life. Okay. You know what? Now, now, cause I'm, I, I was sitting here wondering like, how did you guys make these emotional jumps <laughs> so quickly? And now I'm like, Oh, okay. Now I'm like, Oh my gosh. Cause I'm like th that. Okay. Now that I understand. Yeah. Cause you, you were, there were so many different ways in which that you were that it came about for us. Yeah, like okay. I have adopted, I have adopted siblings that have no genetic tie to any of us. And growing up, it was never like, it was always talked about, like they went back home to Oklahoma and visited their biological families and stuff. And so it was never something that was not talked about or was secretive in any way. Um, like my mom adopted them first. My mom actually used to babysit them. Um, and then ended up having to adopt them because of other outside circumstances and adopted them before she ever met my dad. So my dad didn't know them until I think the youngest of the three was seven. Oh, wow. And then he adopted them after my mom and dad got married. Um, but like they had visited their biological family. They had relationships with their biological siblings. I've met some of their biological siblings. Um, and it was never really talked about that they felt like they were missing anything until adulthood when it all sort of, sort of started coming around for them. Um, or maybe it did earlier and they didn't know how to voice it. But now that like we're all adults, because there's huge age gaps. My oldest sibling's uh, 16 years older than I am. Oh, wow. So there's, okay. there's yeah, there's pretty big age gaps. So they might have just not talked to me about it until I also became an adult. Um, so that kind of also helped tie it in for us of like, okay, like, yeah, like this is important to you, but you also do know some of your biological family. So I can't imagine what it's going to be like for my kids who don't know any of their biological family at this point. Like you, you had some type of tie to them, but my kids aren't going to, and that, that sucks. Wow. Yeah, no, that, well, yeah, no, sorry. Now, now my, my brain <laughs> no, is no, like, no, it, it's, it all, it, it's a lot, <laughs> it is, but it, 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 but yeah, no, it, it's all, it's all so true. And also I, I, I love that you, you also brought up the fact that, you know, the, the fact that they were missing something didn't come up until they were adults uh, because that is something, you know, talking to recipient parents, uh, I would say in our donor conceived community, a lot of recipient parents are like, well, my kid doesn't doesn't ask about donor conception. They don't care about it. And we're like, well, how old are they? They're like, well, they're 11. I'm like, give it some time. Of course they don't care at 11. <laughs> I, give it some time. I'm like, also, they might care, but they're just nervous and scared to talk to you about it. They're 11. Yeah. They, they know, and it's like, and, and it's, we, and they know like this, these are my parents and I don't want to hurt my parents' feelings by saying, yeah, I, I feel like I'm missing something. And it's, it, and it's why we encourage recipient parents to be like, we actively talk to your kids. Like, even if they're not bringing it up, 
you bring it up because absolutely they might not realize that it is okay because it is instinctual for donor conceived people to be like, am I, am I allowed, am I allowed to bring this up? Am I allowed to talk about this? But you, you mentioned um, books and resources that were really helpful to you as a recipient parent in terms of like talking to your kids. What, what were those books or what are those books? Um, so as far as like talking to our kids about like how they were made, there's a book called um, The P That Was Me. It puts it into like very childlike, uh, age-appropriate language. That's the word I was looking for. Um, age-appropriate language of um, how a baby is made. And there's different versions. So there's like for a two-mom family, there's for a two-dad family, there's for like a family that um, is struggling with fertility. Love it. Um, so there's different versions of this book. And then there's even a page at the end where the kid can fill in their own stuff. Oh, um, cute. I have, so I have three copies of it cause I have three kids. So they each, they each are going to get their own copy when they get older to fill out with their own info. Um, I should have grabbed it, but I think like there's a part that they can fill in like what they know about their donor and what they know about us and like what traits they've gotten from each of us. I want to oh, say, wow. don't quote me on that. I'd have to actually go look at the book. Um, but I know that there is a page in the book for them to fill out. Um, Very cute. And then another one that is, uh, it's called How a Baby's Made or How to Make a Baby. And it's very cartoony, very bright, very colorful. And it talks, it uses very gender neutral terms. It just talks about like, um, some people have uteruses and some people have sperm and you need a sperm and a uterus in order to make a baby. And some people that have um, uteruses can't make eggs and like, it talks about it in very age appropriate language for, I believe like two years and up um, and talks about like people that do have sperm and uteruses together and people that have two uteruses and things like that. And you're like using a doctor, things like that. It helps kind of like just explain things to a child mm -hmm. of like how they could have been made. Um, but not necessarily about like anything beyond that. Um those are two of the books that we do have for our kids to like read. And like I said, like, it's just, it's an open conversation in our house mm -hmm. with them. Um, and maybe you can tell me if this is an inappropriate joke for us to make to our children. Um, but sometimes we can love it. Let's hit it. We refer to our donor as seed man. Um, so that I, I got no fucking problem with that. But again, it's I, I'm for me, it's like, look, I, I'm on a different plane of existence. I'm a stand up comedian. So like, you know, what what I deem as appropriate might might not always uh, be what the community yeah, thinks so is like, about. Obviously, that'll be something we address with our kids and adjust as they get older. If they're like, you know, I'm not really comfortable with you calling him seed man. Like he's he's our donor. He's our dad or whatever. So like we'll we'll tell our kid that looks just like their donor. Like you look just like seed man or you look just like your dad. Like. I, I kind of use the same interchangeably until they yeah. find the language for themselves essentially like they're only two they don't really know what it means but we want him to know like you do look like this other person and we love you and you are so perfect and but yeah. I, I I and I and I love that you you added that and saying like you know what when your child finds the language that they want to use you will respect that and I appreciate that so much as a donor conceived um, as a donor conceived person, because there are so many times when we are talking to recipient parents and we are like, you know, that, that, that is your, your child's biological father or biological mother, biological parent. And they're like, no, it's the donor. I'm like, no, they're, they're literally the biological, like that, that's just science 
it's, it's ju- science exactly it, and uh, this isn't meant to hurt I can't you remember, i can't remember where i read it and where i heard it phrased like this but like our donor didn't donate to our kids he donated to us so like we can refer to him as our donor because he donated to us but he's not our children's donor he didn't donate anything to them he's just our children are alive because he donated to us but our children get to choose how they want to refer to him as they grow older and we have three kids so they might all choose a different language for him and that's okay and we're going to respect that we're going to teach the three of them to respect each other's wishes as well like if one wants to say like he's my dad cool he's your dad we're going to refer to him as that if you want to call him bio dad if you want to call him father if you want to call him seed man if you want to call him my donor like whatever you want we'll call him that you want to make up a name until we find him and we find his real name cool we'll call him john or jake or bob or whatever you want to call him like yeah we put it in our kids hands and i i love it and to me it's always such a it's such a green flag for me as a donor conceived person listening to recipient parents like use this kind of language because to me this also the fact that y'all are so comfortable you're grounded and you're secure in your relationship with your children you are secure and that to me trusts the fact that you know that you are putting in the work as parents to genuinely do the best job that you can because being i mean i'm not a parent um so please always take this but <laughs> i do i am aware of the fact that to be a good parent you have to go outside your comfort zone you are not going to be able to do everything within your comfort zone you you're going to have to step outside of it and the fact yes. that you and your wife so quickly and easily were like Okay, let's go. Let's move it. This isn't about us. This is about them. It it just to me again speaks so much about you guys as parents and Thank you. and you, you you're I have I have no doubt that your kids are so loved. They're Thank so you. They, loved. They are they are perfect. They are so loved. They have huge families on both sides that just absolutely love them and eventually we would like to give them that third side as well if yeah. we can absolutely and right now we're, we're we're at the point where we're like they're two and it's like this gray area of I mean I don't even know if it's a gray area but it's like do we do anything now at this age to seek out and find these people so we have them on the donor sibling registry um they have not gotten any matches donor or siblings um and we're kind of at that point of like do we wait and we keep the conversation open and we talk to them regularly and like, let them know, like, Hey, if you want to get tested, like eventually in your life, like we're going to really encourage you to get tested as you get older. But like, if at this point as a young child, you do want to get tested and you do want to use that information to seek out genetic relatives, um, like we'll let you, or is it like, we do that for them now. But like, it's one of those things of like, do we make that choice for them? Like we've already made so many freaking choices for them. Or do we wait and give them that choice? when they're a little bit older and they understand and they can make that choice. That is a very, I would say, debated topic within the donor-conceived community is... That's uh, what I've seen also. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very debated is when do you put your kid on 23andMe or Ancestry? Do you do that when they are two, three years old or do you wait until they're old enough to consent? And it's it's a hard conversation and I do feel like there's, there's sides to both because like as you said... You've already made so many choices for them. They should be allowed to make this choice. But on the flip side of it, the sooner you're able to connect with biological family, the sooner you're able to get an updated medical history, hypothetically. Exactly. And it's 
yeah, it's it's tough. And I will say, like, I I, I don't really know. I, I get asked that question all the time. And I'm like, that's where we're I'm at with we sure. don't know. And then somebody once phrased it to me. I um in one of the like groups of people that I've talked to, um, phrased it to me of like essentially it would sort of be the same as if I just like, if they didn't want to have any contact with somebody from my own genetic family or from my wife's family, if they were like, you know what? I don't want to have contact with this person anymore. Okay, cool. You don't have to have contact with them anymore. But then at least we had that presented to them at an early age. It's easier for them at a young age to form a relationship with somebody if they like, and to grow into it versus being an awkward 12, 13 year old going to meet a sibling that's around the same age and being like, "Mm, I'm so awkward. And I'm at a really awkward age. And I don't know how to do this versus having just grown up together and known each other. Yeah. And then later on decide, you know what? I'm glad that I know you, but I don't really want to have a deep relationship with you anymore. And it's sort of the same as if it came from my genetic family or my wife's family, like I said, and like I wouldn't force them to have contact with that person. So I wouldn't force them to have contact with anybody in their yeah. biological family either. And so I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe it is time to go ahead and do that. <laughs> so it's one of those things, like you said, it's, it's heavily debated and there's pros and cons to both sides. There really is. I mean, I, I would certainly say if your child is showing, I would say medical issues, like a, a chronic problem that you're like, this this is we're sort of going through like a diagnostic roulette wheel. I would say absolutely get yourself on the I, I would say always health goes first. And if that's yes. if there are problems that are just seemingly consistent, do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like and what you just said, extremely good point. Um, because if you have the chance to have a relationship with the biological family or have access to that at an earlier age, it's, that is really nice. And it really is wonderful. Um, and if they choose, like, they're like, no, I'm good. I don't want this at a later age. That's also great. I mean, again, it's, it's tough. And I've, I've heard donor conceived people say, um, I've heard donor conceived people say, you know, uh, both sides of the both sides of the argument. What I, I will say, though, is no matter no matter what wh- what you guys decide, definitely if your child is like, I definitely want to get tested. Oh, my God. For all recipient parents, please get your child test. You know, get them on. Absolutely. The, immediately. Immediately. As soon as they they're like, yes, I, sh- I, I am interested. You, you do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, That that absolutely but 100%. <laughs> but yeah, I would I would say for any parents who are asking the same question, go ask more donor conceived people this question as well. Hear more sides of the argument. Um because yeah, it, it's a very it is an interesting question and it's I I don't fucking even know myself. And it it goes back to that like we don't know how our children are going to yeah, feel or respond about being donor conceived in general and we also aren't going to know how they're going to feel about that and back to your point of um the 11 year old like an 11 year old it's not super important maybe but like maybe it is and they don't know how to voice it and so like I'm hoping that we're going to raise our children in such an open language and open communication with us that like they would feel comfortable coming to us and saying I really want to get tested I really want to seek out people that are genetically related to me um and like it also forms a new set of complications for us having three kids that are triplets. One may want that one may not. And then we'd have to navigate those waters together of like, okay, your brother really wants to know these people, but like, that means like they might start to circulate into your world. And like, that's okay if you choose not to have a relationship, but you may end up ending up knowing them because they may come to birthday parties. They may come to 
graduation. They may come to these things because your sibling wants to have a relationship with them and we need to honor that. You can choose to stay away, but you're going to have to know who they are. Like it brings up that for us as well. So that's whole nother topic. (laughs) It's, it's, yeah, I do think that you, you're in a particularly complicated um, situation, but I honestly, with how y'all are, have navigated, navigated it so far, I have full, full confidence that y'all, y'all are going to figure it out. Thank you. Um, And with that, any, any final, any final thoughts, um, anything that you're, you, you want to tell those recipient parents out there? Uh, The only thing I can say is, like I said, talk to donor conceived adults as many as you possibly can follow you on TikTok, listen to this podcast. And just at the end of the day, remember that like the best parent you can be means putting your child first. And like you said, stepping outside of your comfort zone in order to do that may be necessary. And at times it is going to be necessary. Oh, it it will happen. There's no way that that will not happen. I, every parent has to step outside their, their comfort zone. Um, that, that will always be the case. I don't know a single child parent family dynamic where that has not been the case. It's already happened for us and our kids are only two. (laughs) Like I, (laughs) like I've had to step outside of my comfort zone. I I had really bad postpartum anxiety. I could not let anybody hold my kids. I think it also had to stem from a lot of NICU trauma too. Mm. Um, Like even when my wife would hold them, my skin would crawl sometimes. Like I didn't want anybody to touch them. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was, it was bad. I had to go on medication and that's the other thing. Get help, get help. Yes. Reach out, ask for help. Postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum psychosis. They're all very real things. And they're normal. Everybody. They're, they're very, and they very can normal. And non-biological parents as well. My wife yeah. had postpartum depression and she did not carry. She did not give birth. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my, no, absolutely. These things are so normal. They're so common. My goodness, please. Oh God, anybody listening to this. Yes. <laughs> please. Yes. Get, get Actively seek out resources. Actively yeah. seek out help and counseling in some way. Yes. And yeah, like that's the only thing I can say. Absolutely. And and thank you. Cause that, that is, it, it's so, it's so not brought up enough and it drives me crazy because it, it is something that it should, there's so much shame wrapped around that. There's yeah. so much shame wrapped around something that is so common. It drives me crazy. And it's just yep. like, let, let's just let everybody be fucking miserable out of this like weird I don't know, ideology, a pretend rule that we decided we made up. Like we're it, supposed to we're supposed to immediately fall in love with our children, which for me did happen. It doesn't happen for everybody though. Yeah. But I don't know a single parent in my own personal life experience, I don't know a single parent, and I know a lot of them, that did not have some phone form of postpartum something. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like that is how common it is. I don't know a single parent that did not have something anxiety depression psychosis something yeah oh rage there's postpartum rage too that is also not talked about because you're not supposed to be angry oh you're not supposed to be angry i mean i (laughs) i I feel horrible i didn't even know postpartum rage what man what is that um basically like little just little things can trigger it and like you just you just get really angry i did not have it thank god but i do know some people that did and you just get irrationally angry and you just want to like smash and break things. Like you just get very rageful Um, and it can become very, very dangerous having a newborn baby around. 
and people don't talk about it because you're not supposed to be angry. You're supposed to be in this happy little pink cloud bubble because now you got this new baby, but you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you're not showering, you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 reality in which we we do not yeah it, it's and it, how how many and it's like you you really do think and it relates to donor conception recipient parents and obviously anything postpartum um how much how much better and easier and genuinely happier we all would be if there was no veil of secrecy if all of this was out in the open if we were all able to talk about this if we were all able to be validated in terms of yes. donor like all of it how much easier and better and healthier we would all be. Um, exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time. I cannot say I, I appreciate it so much as a recipient parent, the fact that you have been so open online, on TikTok, on YouTube, coming forward and telling your story because as much as I, I firmly believe donor can see people need to be at the forefront of making the changes to this infertility industry, we cannot do it without the recipient parents because you are the patients. You are the ones. That is, it is very, very true. Like it goes hand in hand. Like yeah. no one wants to listen to us either as recipient parents, but like if we work together, yeah, maybe we can push through and get somewhere if enough yeah. recipient parents and enough donor conceived people are talking about it. Yes. And I do think actively we will create yes. the change that we need to make. Um, and where, where can people follow you to, um, you know, learn more of your story and get updates and all that jazz. Um, so I'm on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, my handle is underscore Jess dot Jackson. Um, and YouTube is just Jess Jackson. Amazing. Well, Jess, thank you so much. Please extend also my um my 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 thanks to your wife as well. Um I will. Thank you. Please give scritches to your dogs and hugs to your kids. <laughs> I will. Thank you. They are just waking up from nap, so I do have to go. <laughs> you got to go. Absolutely. Go be a parent. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. It's so good to talk to you. Good to talk to you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> 